Yes, 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 yes. Welcome back to another week of DQ with Damani. I am your host, Damani Nader. And I have to say, the biggest fight of the year did not disappoint. I told every last one of you that this was going to be the biggest fight, the biggest event, the biggest press conferences, the most money, the most pay-per-view buys. All of it came to pass like I said it, it would. Now, I'm not Mystic Mac or anything like that, but when I put it out there, it just seems to all come together. It, it all comes together. If you know boxing and you know the business of boxing, you can predict these things. You already know. But small sample size first. Let's focus on Chris Eubank versus Beefy Liam Smith. For the second time, these two men are going to go to war in the United Kingdom. But the narrative has switched now. It seems like Chris Eubank Jr., he's really starting to go off on a tangent surrounding how the fight ended and not the fact that he actually lost. He's acknowledging the loss, but at the same time, he's saying, yeah, well, the fans were robbed. The fans definitely deserved a more conclusive finish to the fight than just the ref stopping it after I already protested and said I could continue. He truly believes in his heart that the fans earned in a way they deserved to be rewarded in a way with a either a knockout finish or a shocking comeback comeback victory for him which i i, I wouldn't deny that i'm i'm definitely not going to disagree with chris eubank on that one because not even liam seemed to protest he did protest the first knockdown though where eubank was a little bit wobbly on his feet that left hook that drove him up against the ropes that first time he did seem a little wobbly, I'm not going to lie. I even admitted it here on the show that same week that I dropped it, talking about the fight. But he still did look healthy after he got back up and fully recomposed himself. Of course, before he was knocked down for the second time, later ending the fight via referee stoppage. Now, whether or not the stakes for this fight are the exact same as they were back in January, I most definitely think that these stakes are the same, if not higher. Mostly because the belts are starting to get freed up. In between January and now, I believe Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, he vacated two, either two or three of his belts. I know he's vacated. So, the division is starting to get hotly contested right now. Both men want still, like I said, the first time we spoke on this fight, it is the exact same. Not much has changed. Both of these men want to get into a world title opportunity. And that cannot happen, like Liam said during yesterday's press conference. If Chris Eubank Jr. does not defeat him, if Chris can't get past him, we probably aren't going to see Chris Eubank Jr. in another world title fight for maybe another year or two. Who knows? Maybe Chris Eubank Jr. will just fall into the background like Gabe Rosado and just be a gatekeeper. Who knows? We'll find out on fight night, June 17th. So definitely some things that Eubank needs to improve on, and it all really starts with his stance. The open guard is not going to work against somebody like Liam Smith. If anybody who is listening remembers the fight between Liam and Canelo, you understand just how dangerous Liam Smith is when he cuts off the ring. When he has you up against the ropes or he has you up against the turnbuckle in the corner of the ring, you are vulnerable. You have so many things that could go wrong in that one moment where he has you in that pressure situation. So, 
an open guard, that's just free eats for your chin. That's free eats for your body. And for Liam Smith, giving a man like that free eats, that's just asking. Could, really, you are begging. Not even asking. Asking is an understatement at this point. You are begging to get knocked out. So, the guard always has to be fixed. It needs to be addressed very quickly. But, I have a feeling that this is all really just shifting around due to Roy Jones Jr. Roy Jones Jr., he is very well known for fighting behind that open guard. He'll have his lead hand extended, his right hand will even, it'll usually either be low near his waist or it'll be high and outward. So he'll have either both of his hands out in front of him or he'll have one hand low, lead hand out. It's really not good for fighters who are able to cut the ring off easily, which is exactly how Roy Jones Jr. has gotten knocked out, I think a total of five times across his lengthy career. It's because of the open guard being weak against fighters who have excellent distance management. If you're dealing with somebody who commands the ring, you're done. You're going to get knocked out. That's just how it goes. Boxing is all about science. It all comes down to a science. Who is faster, who has more power, and who can use the space to their advantage. And obviously, a guy with an open guard is always going to lose against a pressure fighter. That's just how it goes sometimes. Speaking of speed and power, May 20th, Devin Haney, the undisputed 135-pound champion versus Vasily Lomachenko. The Matrix versus the Dream. Man, I, I, I don't know what this fight will bring. It's so hard to predict. I believe in Devin Haney's skill, but I also trust the Matrix. I trust Lomachenko's footwork. It's so difficult to pick a fighter in a fight like that where it's so close and you have two guys who are very skilled and not to mention the caliber of amateur experience and the quickness at which Lomachenko won his world championships like that speaks for itself he is a seasoned veteran at this point in time 35 years old I believe and Devin Haney he's rising he is rising. He already has all four belts in the division. Of course, the WBA belt is disputed at this point in time between himself and Tank Davis. He's up there right now. He should be the top dog of the division, but the only reason that it, you know, there could be an argument for why he would not be is because of people like Tank, because of people like Ryan Garcia, who I will be speaking on later. I know you guys are really excited for that. But those two and other power players in divisions like that that are hotly contested make it very difficult for an undisputed champion to remain the top dog. But this fight between himself and Lomachenko will definitely be able to put the icing on top of the cake for him. I think that he'll be done. After this, he beats Lomachenko. Nobody can make an argument. It has to be either Tank versus Devin or Shakur Stevenson versus Devin. Now, we're talking all these dream matchups without even focusing on the fact that Lomachenko is a world champion, almost was undisputed in his own right. He just needed one more belt to collect against Teofimo, and he would have been undisputed. So it, it, it's like he, his story is just so disappointing because he had that taste of world championship gold. He had that taste of Olympic world championship gold. He had that. Boom. War in Ukraine hits. Just derails his entire career. All of his career aspirations. Wanted to get back on top. 
he ended up just like dropping training for I believe an entire year and a half he was out of the ring because he fought in the war in Ukraine and honestly I have nothing but respect for him and other fighters who have decided to do that because he's not alone in that there are other fighters across the pond who have fully just dedicated themselves to fighting no training no communication with their coaches they just picked their and they just started fighting man I I I have nothing but respect for those guys it, it takes some serious courage and not just yourself but your country and the people around you to be able to give up your in your career your way of living if of course that is the way that you do it I know some guys they'll fight and they'll take like two three jobs because they're not up there yet but from the guys that I have seen there's a couple of guys from Bellator who are from Ukraine who did the exact same thing one of them world champion he just straight up just said nah all these fight offers they're not gonna matter my country is what matters so Lomachenko for him it's more than just a world championship shot it's more than just being the undisputed champion it's about putting his people on the map and proving to the world that he is not defeated regardless of what happens in his country regardless of all the ridiculousness that he's had to go through with being able to come back and forth country to country and still be able to try to train and be viable as a world championship contender it's just it's wild it's insane we have to respect that so Lomachenko really he has a lot to prove he has a lot to prove against Devin Haney and I think he can do it like I said 50-50 fight I can't call it either way I I like Devin Haney's jab I like the fact that he shoots that cross and that uppercut when he can. He has a great, 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 great right hand off the back foot. But that's going to be a little crazy to use when you're dealing with a guy who's moving in every direction like Lomachenko. He's creating angles off of his one-two, creating angles off the uppercut, shifting to the right and left with his weight, bending over his lead leg to throw body shots. It's, it's a little tough to use an outboxer strategy when you have somebody who's able to move in so many dimensions. It's it's wild. So, I don't know, guys. It'll just have to be up to who you think is the better fighter in the end. Who do you think is going to be able to take the tools away from the other? Will Devin Haney be able to take away the footwork with his lengthy moves? Or will Lomachenko be able to take away all of that outboxing with his footwork? One will have to cancel out the other, and we'll find out May 20th. Yo, does somebody want to tell me what they've been feeding David Morrell in camp? Somebody let me know what type of sandwiches they've been giving that boy. Because it seems like his last couple performances have been ridiculous. He beat, uh, you know, all respect to Idos. He's a great fighter. Let's, let's, let's be a little respectful here. I was about to get crazy with it. But I got to be honest, he beat Idos into a coma. That man was in a coma. His last opponent, Yamaguchi, that man was asleep for 10 minutes. They had to pause the broadcast. Keep in mind, this is PBC, and PBC hates pausing their broadcast. They either go straight to a commercial break, or they'll just have a weird camera angle where you can see everybody in the arena. PBC does not like stopping their broadcast. PBC paused their broadcast after David Morrell knocked this man flat out, and he did not get up. He wasn't responsive. He was on the floor. The ref, yo, the ref, I know that ref was probably pissing himself. 
thinking about what happened. He probably thought he was dead because David, he, he clipped him bad the first time. And I think around the second shot he landed, that second hook that he landed, that was it. He was done. His brain was already shaken up. And then David finished him. He had to put him down. He had to finish the fight. And <clears throat> everybody knows that as the fighter, it's your job to keep fighting either until the bell or the ref stops you. So no one could, but no, nobody could blame David for having these ridiculous performances where his opponents get like destroyed. I hate seeing people in like comments or they'll they'll either go on their own platforms and say, "Oh, he's he he's getting mismatched, this and that." He's a world champion right now in a division where people are scared to fight. You have David Benavides who's trying his best. He's been trying his best for almost 3 years now to get a fight with Canelo Alvarez, who is the undisputed champion at 168. So not only do you have a fragmented WBA title, you have a WBC interim champion who isn't able to fight the current undisputed champion because he's fighting somebody who needed their opportunity a couple of years ago too. So it's just like we're playing a round robin of guys who've just been waiting in line, waiting in line, waiting in line. David is the only guy who hasn't been waiting in line. Benavidez, he just fought Caleb Plant. Okay, that was a final eliminator. That's great. Cool. David Morell, the Cuban, he has been going back to back to back, not just at the armory, but I no, he did. He did have a fight in New York City. He's been fighting back to back cards. So how could you blame somebody like him for not only getting the bag, but also taking out the other contenders in the weight class? He's making it easy for everybody. He's putting himself on the map saying, hey, look at me. I'm the top dog at 168 pounds. I should be the, the next young up-and-coming dog to fight Canelo Alvarez. Why are you guys looking at these guys? Sometimes even checking dudes out from top rank. You don't need to be doing that. Edgar Berlanga, he ain't up next. I'm up next, which I completely respect. He's putting on knockout performances that everybody loves. The crowd was loving it. I had a fight party. Oh, my goodness. They loved it. Everybody was loving it. How could you be mad at David Morrell Jr. for going the distance, going back and forth, back and forth across the country? everywhere at these venues and putting on these kinds of performances. He's, he's, he's quite literally going the physical distance to go and fight. East, west, east, west, either on plane, bus, sometimes even a whip. You got you to gotta just whip, just straight up. Take that Prius, get to moving. But he's all over the place, and I love it. I don't think people should be complaining about that. The inactivity is what kills boxing. You got guys who just never seem to be satisfied with it but it's just the truth inactivity is what kills boxing tank and ryan garcia i don't know what y'all thought y'all were watching but regardless of your opinion or who you were supporting that fight was fight of the year from every single promotion. Every single promotion, they have their own. Oh, 2022, 2023, 2023, 2024, fight of the year. Each of them have their own awards that they give out. But across every single promotion, worldwide, I don't care where you're from. That was fight of the year. Absolutely no contesting that. So let's just start from the beginning. I want to tell every single one of you listeners out there that I was correct. 
I came on this show and I said multiple times, I said specifically, Ryan Garcia drops his right hand when he throws the left hook. His left hook is his specialty punch. And he throws it in such a way that he drops his guard. I said that word for word, bar for bar on this show. I said that. And what do we watch happen? Ryan Garcia throwing the left hook three times in succession at Tank. Dropping his right hand and almost getting knocked out flat on his back. I predicted it. I predicted it. And it's not even it's not even about predictions anymore. It's just about watching film. If you watch enough film on these fighters, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The casual fans, obviously they get a pass because they have no idea what they're doing in the first place. They're just talking just to talk online. They see Ryan Garcia's TikTok clips. They see Tank's little Instagram lives. And obviously people are going to want to take sides. But when it comes to actual technical understanding of the sport and each fighter's flaws, that's something that a casual is not going to be able to understand off first glance. They just see the knockout. They see Ryan Garcia's knockouts off his left hook. They see Ryan Garcia's knockouts off his body shots. They see that. They don't see the flaws in Ryan Garcia's style. From day one on this show, when I spoke on the preview, before the fight was even signed, just the preview of the fight, I said that from day one. So I don't know why anybody's shocked that Ryan got knocked spark out with a body shot, no less, because he dropped his guard. I told y'all. Nobody can say I did it. I said it. And I take pride in that. It's not anger or retaliation that I'm reacting with right now. All this energy is just excitement and just the, 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 the power of I told you so because I said it. Next, the pay-per-view numbers. I don't know if anybody's been reporting on it or paying attention to it, but 1.2 million pay-per-view buys. That makes this fight top five. Top five in Vegas. I don't I I, I don't know what the boxing world has got going on right now. But we need more fights like this, not just for the money purposes, but for the purposes of showing sport that boxing is still strong. Boxing isn't a second or third string sport in America, let alone worldwide. This fight proved that, that we could bring people from two cultures, like I mentioned last episode, two cultures, mesh them together and deliver one of the best, not just the best performances from each fighter, but the best event. That event was popping. Did you guys hear the crowd when Chief Keith came out? I'm not the only one who lost their mind when I heard the 808s to love Sosa. I didn't even see Sosa yet. I just heard the 808s in the background. And I knew it was Sosa. I got up out my chair. Everybody else got up out their chair. And we screamed like somebody was getting their head cut off. We was losing it. That event was perfect. And best believe if I was there live, I would have been losing it even worse. Best believe. Because I got videos of myself at the Tank fight. I got videos of myself at Deontay Wilder's fight. So, I know I would be losing my mind. So, let's talk setup for Tank's knockout. First round and second round, Tank had some trouble because he would try to get on the inside. Ryan would clinch up and try to smother him with 
kind of elbow punches, elbow arm punches, like try to just rough him up on the inside. But obviously, Tank was able to break out, gauge the distance with his lead hand, which other fighters such as Devin Haney do. This is a completely normal thing to do. And just deliver those bombs to the body. Measuring out with his lead hand, his right hand, bomb to the body, bomb to the body. He also tried the uppercut several times, but it was mostly the left hook and the right hook that Tank was landing frequently. And the, the shots that gave him access to the knockout blow, the left hook. Sorry, I apologize. The left hook to the body. I almost said left hook to the head. The left hook to the head was the first knockdown, the very first knockdown, which I described to you earlier. Ryan threw three left hooks in a row for some idiotic reason. And he got countered. He got countered clean because Tank knew the timing. That's the setup for punches like that. A knockout shot, It, contrary to popular belief, a fighter isn't just going to wing that shot out. It takes a precise number of either punches or stimuli from the opponent to be able to trigger that response. For Ryan Garcia and Tank, the stimuli was the left hook. Tank knew that Ryan was going to rely on the left hook because, as he said in the press conference, the left hook is the only shot you have, which is facts. Ryan Garcia, his last fight, he did fight behind a smart jab. He did fight behind a smart cross. All of that went out the window when he fought Tank. All of that went out the window. All of his preparation, all of the knowledge that he gained from his prior fights against a guy like Fortuna, who's of similar stature to Tank, it went out the window. That boy was fighting for his life in there. He knew that Tank has the power. Tank has the speed. Of course, Ryan has the height and the reach. But when you're dealing with somebody who's small, compact, powerful, and fast, you have some serious work to do regarding boxing on the perimeter. And he wasn't able to keep Tank out. He wasn't able to. He just completely forgot, oh my God, I have to jab this guy. I actually have to keep him away from me the full 12 rounds. Instead of fighting smart, he got complacent. He got a little bit lazy. Let's just be honest here. Let's be completely honest here. Ryan did get a little bit lazy with his outboxing, especially after he got knocked down in the second round. That shot took all of his confidence away. And I'm not surprised that Tank ended up landing big shots on him, especially the body shot later. That was a result of Ryan's confidence not only being completely stripped from him, but all of his knowledge just completely going down the drain because he was in a high-pressure situation he couldn't get out of. So that knockout really puts a lot of things on the table for Tank. Just before we head out for this week. I just want to talk to you guys about the the, the state of the 135-pound division. I spoke on Lomachenko and Devin Haney's matchup May 20th. That's definitely going to set the standard for what's to come for 135. But Tank's victory most definitely set some major, major, major things in motion as far as rankings and potential matchups that you know could be fully, fully, fully mandated by the sanctioning bodies or people will just get motivated to fight tank firstly Shakur Stevenson Shakur has been talking up tank for a while same as Devin Haney they've been talking excuse me on tank's name for quite a while it's pretty much since they had been maybe one or two years out into their professional careers they started mentioning tank's name and Shakur is in a position right now where he needs a tank he needs a big name like Tank to be able to ascend to the next level, to fight 
Devin Haney to fight the undisputed champion, whether or not, of course, you know, Devin Haney does get things done against Lomachenko, May 20th. He needs a name like Tank to gain more credibility. Not saying that Yoshino wasn't a credible name. He's number four ranked in the division, but the issue is people in America don't necessarily always check the rankings. They're not always on box rec. They're not always on the WBC, WBO, IBF, etc. Checking the rankings weekly like myself and other people do. So a more credible name like Tank, who could be considered the top dog at the division right now, like I mentioned before, you can make the argument that Tank is the top dog in the division. A name like Tank on his resume will boost him to that position where he's. it's unquestionable that he's the guy who needs to be fighting for the undisputed title next. Of course, whether or not Tank accepts, we'll have to see. But Calvin Ford made a very interesting remark to the media. He said that he is completely aware of Pitbull Cruz wanting the rematch with him. Calvin Ford said, we want that rematch too. Had to add in the little Baltimore accent because that man is crazy. This man, Calvin Ford, is a nutcase, but I love it. I love the fact that he's crazy. Sometimes you need a crazy coach to be able to make things work because this man had everything on lock. Position secured. You could be up next for the undisputed title. And this man, Calvin, said, you know what? The titles don't even matter. Let's run it back with Pitbull Cruz right now, which is wild to me. That is absolutely absurd. This man, Calvin, would rather take... The riskiest fight in the division against Cruz. Yes, I said it. Cruz is a riskier fight than Haney. Let's be real. Let's be real, y'all. The riskiest fight in the division. The knockout. King besides Tank. Flat and Gamboa. Flat, bro. He's a beast. Cruz is a beast. That fight for Tank would do numbers. Absolute numbers. But as far as the actual risk that Tank will be taking, absolutely ridiculous. Now, whether or not they want to spin the block, that's their decision. I know me, I wouldn't spin the block until after I win. After everything's said and done, I've got all four belts, all five belts, depending on whether or not you decide to pick up the IBO. That remains to be seen. That all depends on Max Hughes and Cambosos and whatever goes down with the IBO, whether or not they want to have the title up for grabs. That's a whole separate, separate story. After you get all those belts, then take on Pitbull Cruz. Of course, you do have more to lose, but risking that at a point in time where you're this close to the undisputed fight? Nah, nah, mm -mm, nope, I wouldn't do that. But I do respect Calvin for taking that chance. Whether or not they get that contract signed, we'll have to keep our fingers crossed because I am definitely excited for that fight. I would love to see Tank and Pitbull Cruz go at it again. Tank had a masterful, masterful, masterful fight performance. Masterful. Using only one hand, might I add. Absolutely masterful performance. So I don't think a rematch between these two men goes anywhere terrible. Alright, everybody. We have reached the end of another week of DQ with Damani. I am glad that I got all that energy and excitement out of my system. I've been waiting all week to drop this episode because, like I mentioned to you guys earlier, fight of the year. Fight of the year. And there were other fights prior to this episode that I believed were going to be fight of the year. Like, I, it really 
shocks me how we can have crazy performances like Lee Wood versus Lada. I'm thinking about that fight right now, and I was going off going crazy like, guys, fight of the year, fight of the year. Lee Wood getting knocked out like that against Lada. Oh, my God. I was losing my mind. But now watching the tank fight back, I'm low-key kind of – I'm kind of shocked that I called Lee Woods fight fight of the year, even though it, you know, it could be a contender for it. But no, Ryan Garcia getting his clock cleaned was so satisfying. It felt so good to watch that man get knocked out. Yes, it did. It did. I will happily admit that because I'm so tired of him. Thankfully, his 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 weird era of trash talk and thinking he's higher than Thou was all over. He got knocked out. I don't want to hear anybody praising this man. He's done. He's done. He's done. Let him get a couple fights. Let him work his way back up. He's finished. So, whew. That fight party I had this past weekend, absolutely amazing. If you weren't there, you missed out. We were grilling and chilling. Had a group of about, give or take, 20 people all in one spot together. Pictures, videos, of course, will be available on my social media at Salty Blitz. S A L T Y B L I S T E X is my Instagram. Mader Money, M A D I R M O N E Y, is my Snapchat if you want to get at me on those two platforms. Then, of course, you have the DQ with the Money podcast on pretty much anywhere you can listen to music or podcasts. If you so choose. Next fight party we will be having will be May 7th for Canelo Ryder, which I have spoken on several times. Next week's episode will be a preview of that fight, so please keep your eyes open for that. Now, I want to thank each and every one of you who believed in me when I told you guys that Ryan was going to get knocked spark out. And Ryan's defense was trash because he drops his right hand. I appreciate all of you. And I also appreciate you for choosing the DQ with Damani podcast for your weekly source of boxing news and lifestyle. I am your host, Damani Le Tigre Mater. Please have a blessed weekend. Be safe.